Episode 35, Gallerist Craig Krull. My name is Michael Delgado and I'm your host. I come to you each week from the luxurious library bar in the magnificent Mayfair Hotel right here in downtown L.A. My appointment is already here. He's in a jovial conversation with the bartender. He sips a single malt scotch. Neat. He's clad in a California rocker's uniform. All black jacket, black tee, black jeans, setting off his slick back silver mane and his unlaced converse. It's time to meet. You know Geiger's bookstore across the street? I think I may have passed. You know Geiger by sight? Geiger's in his early 40s. Medium height, fattish, soft all over, Charlie Chan mustache, well-dressed, wears a black hat, affects the knowledge of antiques and hasn't any. And, oh, yes, I think his left eye is glass. Hello. 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 My guest tonight is Craig Krull. Craig has been an engine in the L.A. art scene for over 30 years as a gallerist and a touchstone for L.A.-based artists since his days at the famous, some say infamous, Ace Gallery to his time with Jan Turner Gallery and then on his own with his eponymous Craig Krull Gallery, which this weekend is celebrating 25 years at the Bergamont Station Arts Complex, which, by the way, has a related celebration slash holiday open house this weekend, December 14th, but more on that later. Craig currently represents 65 artists, and it's a who's who of LA artistry, from creatives such as Julian Wasser, who reflects Craig's early focus in photography, to such diverse community pillars as George Herms, Peter Alexander, Don Bacardi, Carlos Almarez, Dennis Hopper, Astrid Preston, Alexis Smith, and far too many others to name. I caught up with Craig and asked him to reflect on, as well as project, on the L.A. art scene. You'll enjoy his quintessentially laid-back L.A. vibe and his insights. Please welcome Craig Krull. And then I'll just say, like, welcome Craig Krull. Okay. And you'll say? I am so happy that you invited me here. <laughs> I am flipping out. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, control yourself. Okay. Yeah. <coughs> well, thank you for coming, especially coming down to, to downtown. Of course. When are we? When are we doing this? Is this now? Yeah, we're live. Oh, we're live now. We're going. Well, oh. We could start over. I could say, "Welcome, Craig Carl." Well, thank you again. It's the second time around for having me because I am. Uh, Honored. Let's put it that way. Thank you very much. The fact that anyone gives a shit what I have to say means a lot to me. Well, don't go that far. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No, no, it is really exciting to have you on because I've been a fan for a long time. Oh, thank you. And, uh, you know, like, the gallery is, you know, it's got a who's who of Southern Mm. California artists Mm. now. Mm. um, So I was curious, and, and you're celebrating, like, Almost 30 years at this, right? Well, 25 years at Bergamot. Uh-huh. We opened it. We were one of the founding galleries in 94. And so everybody who was there originally is celebrating this fall. And in fact, on the 14th of December, we have a little holiday Bergamot 25th. Oh, there you go. Well, there's a shout out. Happening. What time is that? It's, a, it's, uh, it's all day. That's a Saturday. All right? day, Saturday the 14th. Yeah. Oh, a week from. Uh, week. From, no, yeah. this Saturday. This Saturday, right. This Saturday. 
so I was, you know, there the entire time at Bergen. I'm still there. I plan to never leave. <laughs> I am never. People ask me, and I'm never leaving. I'm never leaving Bergen Station. I will probably die in that building. Uh, and then before that, I was in West Hollywood. I was uh, my first gallery was called Turner Crawl Gallery, mm-hmm. and it was in partnership with my then employee employer Jan Turner. Right. And that was on Melrose, next to the old Cafe Figaro. All right. So. Well, the, and so how did you get involved in being a gallerist? Did you ask? Oh, <laughs> like, where did it go yeah. wrong? Well, my mom. <laughs> well, okay, here we go. I've, I've pretty much answered this question a hundred times, but my mom's an artist, and I have to give credit to her. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah, because, you know, I used to sit in her studio and watch her make art, and we would sit and talk and talk and talk and talk. You know, it was mm-hmm. just one of the great memories of my childhood, really, to listen to her talk and just be at peace watching someone make art. And then I started to take classes in the local art, uh, local community college, Saddleback College. I was down in Orange County then. And um, even while I was still in high school, I was taking classes. I was very obsessed. Uh, And then uh, started uh, studying art history at uh, Cal State Long Beach and at UCLA. And basically when I was at UCLA uh, doing my master's, um, I got a job at Ace Gallery, and uh, it was um, pretty exciting. Uh, my first day on the job, I met Billy Wilder. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, the very first day. Yeah, I was I was selling books, and Billy Wilder came in, and you know that commercial they used to have with the American Express card, where they would go, oh yeah, yeah, and it would yeah. spell out the person's name. Oh, okay. He handed me his green American Express card, and it was Billy, Billy Wilder, Wilder. Oh, okay. and that was pretty cool. He was buying books here. He was buying a book. And I was taught by my uh, employer, Doug Christmas, to... That was before you had a swipe. You had to actually pick up the phone and a rotary call and get, get, you know, approval on your credit card. And here's Billy Wilder standing here. And uh, I had a call. You know, I was trying to do my job with my first day. Call, dialing the... And Mr. Wilder's like, what the fuck? What are you doing? You know, I'm Billy Wilder. Ah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, sir, okay, sir. Ah. So that was my first day at Ace Gallery. And then right, right next door was Gemini. Right. And literally right there that day, Roy Lichtenstein was making prints. David Hockney was making prints. And I, I'm not going back to UCLA. <laughs> Here yeah. I am. This is where yeah. I want to be. That was and so the, that was the turning. That, that was really the, a turning point. That and those first were day. the two places to be. Yeah. At that and then right across the street was Mame Zone. Mm-hmm. And Wolfgang Puck was the head chef. Sure. I mean, those were pretty cool days yeah, yeah. so um, yeah I met a lot of people at Ace Gallery it was a great experience at that time like I told you earlier I was his only employee uh-huh. me and Doug that was it okay what, so what is he doing now I don't know I, he's working privately I know mm-hmm. that and, you know Ace Gallery went bankrupt right yeah so, it's yeah, so I don't know I have a very good relationship with Doug and I have a lot of respect for him mm-hmm. and you know we we had a few times where we shouted at each other. Sure. There's some interesting things, but uh, I learned a lot from him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I learned a lot from him. I learned how to, what he called Zen Gallery. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, one, yeah. One time, uh, Ponzo was coming, and he just looked at me and said, Zen Gallery. <laughs> <laughs> Which means make it perfect. Right. We have this, you know, you, you just make this gallery well, yeah, I remember you know, it was always, he was like, uh, you know, the installations were incredible. Oh, well, that's what he's, yeah. that's what, he, you know, his legacy will be his vision. Yeah. Regardless of whether he paid a bill or an artist or went to, you know, 
bankrupt or whatever, he had a vision that is pretty much unsurpassed by any dealer in L.A. I mean, he, he did some very risk-taking things. Yeah, he well, ran that space almost like a public service. I mean, you know, yeah. putting those installations yeah. in a huge oh, expense. Uh, he's, he is a, he's a, a, one of the great art dealers of Southern California. But sadly, there were some, yeah. you know, a lot of things happened. So. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people not terribly happy. With no, him, but, no, no. Um, so, but so your own space. You started. You, you were with Jan, but then you started. I was with Jan Turner, and I was her gallery director. Started there in '88, and then we moved right at the break of the recession in the early '90s. I mean, we moved to a new space at 9006 Melrose next to Cafe Figaro mm-hmm. in 91. And that was when this massive recession hit and everything just fell apart. Mm-hmm. And um, I said to her as we moved, we had this mezzanine space upstairs. And I said, I've always wanted my own gallery. I think I want my own, I think I want that upstairs as my gallery. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a bold thing to say to your boss, yeah. <laughs> that you want half her space for your own gallery. <laughs> And she looked at me and said, well, you know, okay, do your thing. And, and I will still run my gallery downstairs, but you can do your thing upstairs. And it was, you know, it was time we were all just looking to survive, really, because the recession was so horrible. Right. And everybody, just, we were just willing to work together to make, make it happen. And um, so I, it was called Turner Crawl Gallery. Yeah. And uh, I was upstairs, and the it was all photos. The caveat, which I agreed to, and it was I proposed, and she agreed to, was that in order to not be in direct competition with her downstairs, that my gallery upstairs would be purely photography, and so it would be a compliment. And um, so that's what it was. It was all photography until I moved to Bergamont. Then there was no yeah. restriction to be purely photography. But one of the things I remember at that space was uh, it was a very narrow staircase going upstairs, and um, Chuck Close came to visit one time, and it was before he had the wheelchair that actually walked upstairs, mm-hmm. and someone had to carry him upstairs, and I was just so moved. Yeah. Somebody he he asked someone to carry him upstairs to see my space, and I was, you know, I was in awe. Yeah. It was such a beautiful thing. Anyway. So yeah, well, you must have a lot of stories like that. Yeah, oh. from years. And years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so many, so many. It's been great. I, I mean, you know, the time has just. Where's it gone? I used to be the new kid on the block. Right. I mean, I really. The, the year I opened my gallery, uh, Paul Kopakin, Steve Cohen, Rose Gallery, Peter Fetterman, and me. We all opened the same year. 91. Yeah. All five of those photo galleries opened simultaneously. Oh, wow. And it was partially because of the recession. Uh, all of the big, you know, giant paintings that were being sold in the 80s, nobody was spending that money anymore. And they were thinking, wow, I can get an Edward Weston for $5,000. Why should I spend 60000 on this painting by someone who's just, you know. So the photo market had not been exploited or explored at all. I mean, there were, you know, Stephen White and uh, G. Ray Hawkins were the only, you know, kind of games in town in photography. And so the photo world exploded in the 90s. And so we were all at the right place at the right time in that regard. And you, did, you had an affinity for it or did you just... Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I definitely... 
uh, was always interested in photography. When I was with Jan, I curated some shows. One was called Neue Sachlichkeit Photography, which was German objectivity in the 20s. And I did another show about photo collage. And I did another show, probably one of the shows I'm most proud of that I curated was called Action Performance in the Photograph. And that was um, at Turner Crawl, Jan Turner. And it was a show about the relationship of photography to performance art, hmm. which really hadn't been done before. It was uh, a show that demonstrated that in the beginning, the photographs of like um, Rauschenberg doing a performance of his, I think it was called Pelican, where he's skating, mm-hmm. you know, with a big fan. Then it, then it developed into people performing for the camera which was what I was after, that kind of relationship. And then, of course, Eve Klein was the cover because the leap into the void was yeah. photographed and made entirely for the camera. That was all doctored, that photograph. Oh, really? Yeah, he made two photographs. He made one of him jumping, mm-hmm. and then he, then he made another one with the street empty, and he put them together because in the original photograph, he was being caught by his judo partners. So uh, it, was, it was a created you know right. thing um, and then we did a, a gallery uh, a, a symposium and it was great I had Chris Burden Paul McCarthy Carolee Schneeman Alan Capra and they all talked about how they integrated the idea of photography into performance so mm-hmm. anyway. and so where's photography now in the age of Instagram uh, you know what I it's, a, it's just my own personal taste but I'm really not that excited about photography anymore. Huh. I don't really show that much photography. I mean, I was really interested in the in the 90s and showing people who really hadn't been shown much in LA, like Robert Adams and William Eggleston and Dennis Hopper. Uh, and I don't know, it got, it got a little redundant mm-hmm. uh, in the 2000s. And I just kind of lost interest in photography in general. Um, so don't ask me what photography is now. I, I, <laughs> the only photographers that I really work with now, I work with this, the estate of Julius Schulman, uh-huh. which I have. You know, I worked with Julius the last 20 years of his life. Uh, Julian Wasser, yeah. great LA photographer. Uh, John Humble, um, just a few, mm-hmm. not too many anymore, really. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm, I haven't seen much photography either um, yeah. of late. I didn't know that it, it I think it, it is sort of problematic in, in, you know, when everything's so digitized. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I think that's, uh, you know, for all the positives and negatives of Instagram, I think everyone's become a better photographer <laughs> because of it. I think I really do. I mean, it doesn't devalue photography. I think it just means that a lot of people are training their eye, mm-hmm. you know, in a way that was not available to them. When you take a picture, you th- hopefully you think about it and you frame it yeah. and you give it a little consideration. And every time you do that, you're learning something. And that's all anything is, for me, that's all anything is about is practice, 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 you know, you do something over and over again, you learn something. Yeah, you hope. Yeah, you hope. And so I think that's one of the great things about 
Instagram. My daughters are both great photographers yeah. because they do it all the time. They do it all day long. <laughs> you know, and that's it's what it is. It's like that, that ten thousand hour rule where yeah, you yeah, do something yeah. for that long and you become an expert at it. Right. It's all going so fast yeah. uh, that it will eventually, hopefully, will eventually catch up and be able to. Someone will do a study of that. How you know the Instagram or the phone photography has you know they used to say television was the biggest thing that the biggest invention that changed the 20th century but the phone yeah oh my god oh, for sure it doesn't even compare to the phone so what do you got going on now you got who's up now you got uh we have astrid preston oh. who is a great uh painter lives in santa monica and we used to show her at jan turner gallery back in the 80s and she eventually came with me when i moved to bergamot and she's She's always about landscape, but a, a metaphysical landscape. If you could put, you know, De Chirico and, uh, you know, Rousseau and uh, Hicks, you know, any, any kind of landscape that has a conceptual edge or a metaphysical kind of, you know, uh, or a surreal quality to it. Yeah, or like maybe even Sandow. Yeah. Yeah, well, Sandow is another story, but um, he was, like I told you earlier, he was in our group show we had this summer of Narrative. Right. Yeah. I like Sandow a lot. He's a great guy. I'm going to put in a plug for Sandow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. I, I, yeah, he's busy. He's, we, I, I think I mentioned he was on the show last week. So. Yeah, now, he's a great, great artist, and he's actually one of the reasons I did that show, Narrative Painting in Los Angeles, because there are was at my summer show. Basically, that show was about um, what they used to call history paintings, you know, the big giant 12 by 20 massive paintings you see at the Louvre. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a little bit of thing happening in LA with that, with big paintings, with history paintings or narrative mm -hmm. paintings. And he is one of the uh, uh, artists that, you know, kind of fit into that group. F. Mm -hmm. Scott Hess, Carl Dobsky, Milo Rice, it's a, it's, a, it's a show that I always wanted to do, and um, finally did it. And, you it and you're thinking that's kind of the thing here? You found enough of it? it or oh, yeah. It no, it's, it's a thing that's been... That's, F. Scott Hess, especially, has been doing it for a very long time. Uh, Sandow Burke, um, Steve Galloway. Um, they're, they, they've all been making big, you know, figurative paintings... For a while, it was tough to be a figurative yeah. artist because you were considered passe or traditional mm -hmm. or whatever. But uh, there is a whole group of artists who don't necessarily see themselves as a group, but I put them together as a group. But some of them did. F. Scott Hess and a few others did kind of... There was a group that... Well, I forget what they call themselves. The, the something bastards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. So that was, that was our summer. So we got a great right up in the LA Times which was nice yeah and so how do you go about are these are all these artists already represented by you or did you find uh, the only artists in that show that I represent uh, were Dan McCleary and DJ Hall the rest of them were artists that I pulled together yeah. huh. and some of them I discovered on Instagram okay. along the way yeah a guy named Sean Michael Warren who's a muralist I didn't you know, I just came across him on Instagram. He's, he's from Chicago, but he came out here and starts making murals. He did a big mural of uh, Maya Angelou at the Maya Angelou Middle School 
in South Central, where right across the street, I guess, um, LACMA has a satellite gallery. Oh, right. And um, he actually made a painting for the show, because the show is about history paintings or narrative paintings that tell a story. And I was hoping to get some of the paintings, or a good majority of the paintings, that told stories about Los Angeles. So he made a painting about um, the black workers that dug the Venice canals for Abbot Kinney, who were then not allowed to live there. Right Right after they did all the work, they had to live in an adjoining neighborhood called Oakwood. Mm -hmm. And um, so he made a painting about that. So it's a little bit of LA history. Right. And uh, it, well, Sandow also, we won't talk about him too much, but (laughs) (laughs) we already gave him Mary last year. But uh, no, it is similarly, right? I mean, with uh, not necessarily LA based, although, you know, his upbringing is, you know, from the area, so he yeah. gets, you know, gets it with the skateboarders and the surfers. And he's, you know, that's one of the reasons I love his work so much is that he's been doing that, telling stories, telling history stories, and also relating LA history or contemporary American history to art history. The two paintings we had on our show were both based on Peter Bruegel paintings, yeah. so he used those as starting reference, so he likes to make those relationships. Yeah, that is, I enjoy those. Those are fun paintings. Um, so, um, speaking of L.A. then, and, and you've been in the scene and been a leader in it for so long now, how do you think of the of the L.A. art scene now and over the decades? I mean, there was always, like, we have such art stars from the 60s right. and some of the right. 70s, and then well, you know, the, kind of the focus moved to New York in the 80s. Yeah. Well, the so thing that I love about L.A., is that uh, it's cliche, but anything goes. It's a mm. such it's such an open society. It's such an open civilization where do what you want. Yeah, you know. I mean, I I lived up in I, or I bought a house up in Carmel and was living there half the time and was kind of like having my peaceful moment, my midlife thing. And I real and it's so beautiful. I had oh, a, I had a great life up there, and I Big Sur and Point Lobos, and I still love it. But I. I realized, you know, a lot of people who are natives of L.A. always say, oh, I want to get out of here. I want to go mm-hmm. live somewhere else and be peaceful and everything, which I did. <laughs> <laughs> but then you soon realize how great the chaos and yeah. the, the wild openness of L.A. means to you. Yeah. I mean, you can hate it like I did. You know, you can say, oh, I hate the fucking traffic. I hate yeah. this and I hate that. And it's like you can be... I'll let all the anxiety build up and you know the frustration you know living here which it does if, you're, if you've been here your whole life you know yeah. you get jaded but step out of it for a couple of months and you realize how great it is yeah I did I mean I always knew it was great but now I my little sojourn into Carmel really taught me how I can't live without it I really cannot live without the vibrancy of anything goes, anytime. Yeah. You know, it's really vibrant. Yeah, it's funny. I, a, a couple of shows ago, we had an uh, artist, uh, Beanie Wolf, on from London. And uh, she recently located here. And she had a very similar comment. She said, you know, it's just, you know, you know everybody is very encouraging about yeah. whatever you do yeah. <laughs> he's like you know if we were if she was back in, in in the UK if I did that you know there's like professional jealousies and yeah. you know there's no, like she had a show at the uh, uh, 
Victorian thing, Albert. And Victorian Albert, yeah, V&A. Yeah. The V&A. And, uh, you know, she's 28. And wow. Yeah, it was a big deal to have a show, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and uh, she's like, I couldn't even tell my friends because... <laughs> <laughs> they would think I was bragging. And yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Crazy. No, there is there is definitely um, a societal thing that still exists. I mean, I love London. It's probably yeah. next to LA. It's my favorite city in the world. But there's definitely that that deep seated, you know, societal stratification thing and etiquette and mm-hmm. which what's proper. It still exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I don't, so she, you know, to your point, or she feels the same that you know that there's there's kind of a, a sense of freedom here and, and so in terms of um, the actual scene though do you, I you know I my own experience has been that people are moving here from San Francisco mm-hmm. and, from, and now even more so I haven't seen people from Brooklyn mm-hmm. um, that you know they weren't necessarily that was in their home but they tried to make art there and mm-hmm. then they're like no I'm having it's better to be mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. and that there's so much of it going on which I see a lot too. You see tons of these, you know, tons of artists and art spaces and everything, which is great. But then a lot of it's not very good. Oh God, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. That's, so that's true. I mean, I I don't know where I heard it, but I can't imagine it's not true that there are more artists living in Los Angeles now than in any city in human history. Uh, Wow. Which makes sense because there's more people, yeah. obviously. There's more right. people around than there were in Paris in the 1890s. But they're all here. They're all coming here. They're all swarming here. Mm-hmm. They're getting their MFAs in, at Indiana and you know yeah. wherever, and they're they're Sorry. they're yeah. heading this way instead of New York. I mean, there's you know they're still in Brooklyn, but <laughs> yeah. they're coming here in droves. Yeah, all those MFAs from all over the country. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I know. Well, there is there is that too. I noticed, is, you know, the MFAs. I mean, that, there wasn't really MFA programs. I mean, right. there were back in the day, but right. not really. I mean, not to the proliferation that they have now. Right. Well, it's, that's another thing that's great about LA, which you know, is the uh, the mentorship, the great artists like Baldessari yeah. and. Chris Burden, who taught mm-hmm. at UCLA and Cal Arts and every yeah, place, yeah. and you know, how, how much better of art education can you get by these incredible LA artists passing the torch from one generation yeah, to the next? And staying in schools, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think uh, CAA has a, that's a bit a big part of their collection mm-hmm. is the relationship of teacher to uh, you know student in LA. Yeah, it, it it does make sense. I, I I just don't know, you know, if there's a, uh, I, I I don't know why I would look for it, but if there's like a, you know, well, what's the word? I don't know. We use movement. That's land. But you know, if there's some kind of zeitgeist that is quintessentially LA, that's happening now. Right. Um, hmm. See, because I don't think it's also so so spread out, like. Right. I'm very, very happy and pleased that you came down from the west yeah. side. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to get my friends to yeah. come, you know, cross over La Siena. Yeah, no, I, you know, <laughs> that's the that's the thing that I've also been asked many times over the years as, uh, you know, interviews and panel discussions. It's like, what's happening now? Where is yeah. it going? Right, right. It's it's all happening. There's not an I'm, I can't pinpoint. You know, like you said, a movement or a direction. 
and thank God we can't. I mean, I'm yeah. glad we can't. I'm, it's all happening simultaneously, and anything can happen. And it's just such a great, you know. <laughs> as an art historian, you always talk about, oh, wouldn't it be great to have lived in Paris in the 1890s with Toulouse Lautrec walking around, and <laughs> wow, and or, or Picasso in the 20s, yeah, or yeah. or New York at the Tavern and Jackson Pollock. Wow, wouldn't it be great to have been there? Well, we're there right now. Mm -hmm. This is it. This is L.A. Right now is really one of the two or three central hotbeds of art in the world. No question. Absolutely. How's the the collector base then? Is there a strong L.A. collector base? Well, that's an interesting thing. I do have a good collector base, uh, but I'm often disappointed. And I don't know... If it's just because there's so many galleries to you know spread around the, the collector base, uh, and there's there's been a lot of talk recently about how the younger generation is more interested in experience as opposed to acquisition, hmm. and that you know we we go to the museum and we see an installation and we soak it up and we go to the road and we, you know. It, that's the experience, and right. it, it the 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 collecting part doesn't. I mean, maybe I hope I'm wrong, but the collecting part doesn't seem to be as important to the younger generation as the people that I mm-hmm. traditionally have been selling to. And that's because they're not making objects, like, or because they just want the experience. I think it's. I think it's more based on it, everything's changing so fast, and it's all experiential, which is great. I mean, you yeah, know, yeah. the older I get, the less crap I want. You know, I want to get rid of stuff. I want to hone down, you know. What, what is all this stuff? That, it's a bunch of stuff. You don't need it. But I think a lot of younger people, you know, probably Smelly think that it's, they can experience music and performance and museums yeah. and, you know, have that a part of their life without buy it and bring it yeah. home and hang it on their wall. Hmm. And maybe it's an old-fashioned, I don't know, maybe... We'll see. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. I hadn't hadn't thought about it that way. I mean, I know, you know, my day job is in in, um, advertising and branding and such, and that is the experiential thing is just huge. You know, people figured out that, you know, everybody with their phone and their ability to contact whoever. Right. We're going to get you much better reach than spending money. Sadly, one of the things that I will comment on that I have noticed as a result of that is the Instagram wall and the exhibitions that are based on the Instagram selfie and that is kind of superficial to me yeah absolutely I I see a lot of that curation for the selfie yeah yeah and that's I don't know that's just capitalizing that's I don't know it's it, it rubs me the wrong way yeah, no. It's creating I, I mean, a, creating it, a scenario just so someone can take a picture, right? The same picture that ten thousand people are going to take in well, front of the angel wings, the angel those. wings on the wall <laughs> yeah, that you yeah. see everywhere. Yeah, well, but I mean, even the the you know the infinity room, which is super cool at the right. at the Broad, it was super yeah. cool and yeah. stuff too. But it yeah. was also kind of a little suspect in that regard. Yeah, you know? I, I, I I definitely am suspect of all of that. I come from a, you know, traditional art historical background. I, I, I 
appreciate all aspects of art history and I really craft and beauty are still important to me right. and the making of an object that has some soul is important to me you know soul is soul in, in a work of art is important yeah. you know it, just to, to be um, sarcastic and cynical and jaded and cute and you know conceptual and it's it's like a one-liner. Mm -hmm. It's like a it's like a joke. That's a right. one-liner, yeah. and you get it, and then ha ha, right? We're done with that. Right, right, right. <laughs> it doesn't have any, it doesn't have any lasting value. It doesn't have any of the guts yeah. that the artist, the artist's life has put into it. You know, those are the kind of artists that I that I gravitate towards. Yeah, and the and many of your artists have been at, at it for a long time. Yeah, and they've been. You yeah, know, that ten thousand hour thing is uh, right, right. So um, yeah, Carlos Almaraz is one that I'll mm -hmm. mention that is uh, an artist who you know had that soul and who you know went through a lot. There's a great uh, documentary on him now. It's called Playing with Fire that uh, is still uh, doing the circus of the um, film festivals, but it eventually probably be on some Net Netflix or something. Hopefully, yeah. And I'm sorry, it's called? Carlos Almaraz, Playing With Fire. Playing With Fire. Yeah, that was also the name of his retrospective at LACMA. That was during the, you know, the PST LALA. Mm -hmm. um, he was really the kind of the father figure of the whole LA Chicano arts movement. And he was a spirit, you know. There's there's a few artists that had this spirit. Edmund Teske, that I, who I worked mm -hmm. with, another one. He That's a him. photographer, yeah. Yeah. They called him E.T. Edmund Teske because he he was a, these guys were almost otherworldly and there's and their uh, the soulfulness they brought and the personal you know the dreams and the right uh, it was that's the kind of work that I like yeah and you've got quite a bit of that right I mean like, you, you well I I currently represent sixty five artists which is a big a number handful yeah. But the way my gallery is designed, I have three exhibition spaces, small, medium, and large. And so sometimes I'll have one artist have the whole gallery. Sometimes I'll have one in each room. Sometimes I'll have one in two rooms. Mm -hmm. So I can do one, two, or three exhibitions per slot. And you know, if I do an average of two times eight shows a year, that's 16, you know, 16 to 20 artists get, a, get yeah. something. And a lot of artists that I work with will want the big show, and then they'll want a little show. They'll mm. want a small show where they can do some drawings or some experimental stuff. And, you know, sometimes they like doing the small. The small room of my gallery is actually the most popular room. Everybody wants mm. the small room because huh. they can do little projects in it. So um, it actually works out. I end. I I hopefully make them all happy, and some of them are estates, deceased artists, so mm -hmm. they don't have to have. You know, shows all the time, right. like Julius Shulman and Carlos Almaraz and people like that, mm -hmm. who I've represented for a long time. Yeah, and you can fit them in into your theme shows. Yeah, too. yeah. I don't do as many group shows as I used to, but I do love doing those. Mm -hmm. One that I really loved was called "Photographing the LA Art Scene," and that was in the '90s. And that was a show. It was back when I was more interested in photography. Right. <laughs> and um, it was photographs of the LA art scene in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, which um, we ended up doing a big catalog for. And to this day, I still get, um, you know, 
requests from around the world for reproduction from those. Yeah, do you have that? I would love that. I'm not yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um, and Jerry McMillan is one of the artists that is most requested because he was, uh, Jerry is from Oklahoma uh, and went to high school with Ed Roche and Joe Good. They all came out together, went to Chenard together. And Jerry has all these great pictures that he took of Ed, you know, in the uh, 60s. And <laughs> so Christie's and Sotheby's are always asking me for those pictures when they were selling a $30 million Roche. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But Jerry is, uh, he, he actually is another one of my favorite artists that I work with. He lives in Pasadena. He, um, like I said, is from Oklahoma. And he was really the inventor of what they call photo sculpture. Uh, there was a show that Peter Bunnell did at MoMA in 70 or 70, I think it was 70, 72, called Photography into Sculpture. And it had people like Robert Heineken and Jerry. Jerry was, is credited with creating the first photo sculpture, a, a sculpture made out of a photograph. Um, and that was in 63. And so that's one aspect of Jerry's work. And the other aspect of Jerry's work is he used to take pictures of artists. And um, he created what I would call a one-shot performance photograph that represented an artist in a conceptual way. Hmm. Um, he did the great Judy Chicago photograph where she's sitting in a boxing ring and she's got a, a sweatshirt that says Judy Chicago mm -hmm. and she's about to go in the boxing ring and fight. And that was the first time she used the word Judy Chicago because her name was Judy Garowitz. Mm -hmm. And so she changed her name and Jerry said, oh, Judy, she's always a scrapper. She's always a fighter. She was like one of the only women in that male-dominated art world back then. And he said, I'm gonna put her in a boxing ring. And that was his idea. And so he put her in this boxing ring and Jack Glenn, her dealer, got a t-shirt that said Judy Chicago on it. And they're actually selling these t-shirts now at the Hammer Museum. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So that's how iconic it's become. And it was Jerry's idea. And so that's the kind of, you know, artist conceptual promotional, you know, thing that he came up with. And he also photographed Ed Roche in bed with two women and that it was a, an ad in art forum and on the bottom it says Ed Roche says goodbye to college joys and that was his apparently that was his wedding announcement he went to get married right afterwards um, so those little uh, you know and so he kind of came up with that that was one of the things that the artist's image we did a mm -hmm. show called the artist's image yeah. photographed by Jerry McMillan which huh. were things like this that would be a great catalog yeah and then, like, it was, it's partially because we were in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. A lot of these artists back then liked their, you know, self-image. Yeah. And he did, a, he did a poster of Joe Good for an exhibition at Nick Wilder Gallery, which was just a picture of Joe standing. No name. Didn't say Joe Good. Didn't say anything. It just was a picture of Joe. And so you're supposed to know who it is and what it means. You know, <laughs> it was just, you know, it's, mo it's about the artist's persona. It's creating a persona. Right. Through this photographic thing. So there, is there a catalog for that? Well, we did a show called The Artist's Image. We didn't do a catalog for that, but we did do a catalog of his pictures of Ed Roche called oh. Picturing Ed. And um, uh, Tom Patchett published that for me. All right. Well, you got anything else you want to plug? Oh, well, it's not, you know, I'm not here to plug stuff. I'm just here to chat away and 
right. Well, I don't know. I, I didn't have an agenda. Certainly didn't have an agenda. Yeah, no, I just wanted to meet you. And yeah. Appreciate the work you've done over the years. Yeah. And I'm very happy that you asked me. And uh, I'd do it again if you wanted to. And then, <laughs> <laughs> I, Well, yeah, for sure. Well, I'm going to check out um, the upcoming show. I want to see, well, see the Astrid's show. Astrid's great. And then who is next? Your next show is... Uh, next is Joe Fay and uh, Tanya Rector and Caroline Larson. Three. So All right, well, thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to A.G. Geiger Presents, Tales from the L.A. Art Underworld. My guest tonight has been gallerist Craig Kroll. You can learn more about Craig and his upcoming slate of amazing shows at craigkrollgallery.com. So that's Craig, C-R-A-I-G, Kroll, K-R-U-L-L, gallery.com. And be sure to check out the Holiday Open House slash 25th Anniversary of Bergamot Station. It's this Saturday, December 14th, and it's all day. There's more information at bergamotstation.com. A.G. Geiger Presents is produced by me, Michael Delgado, in conjunction with the Mayfair Hotel, music and artist management company Regime 72, and A.G. Geiger Fine Art Books. Check us out at mayfairla.com, regime72.com, and aggeiger.com. Thanks for listening.